0: hope everyone's doing well. Welcome to the Magia Mindset. Today's guest is a sports agent and a founder of Sports Stars Consulting. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome our guest, Mohsen Salami Tari. Roll the Intro than I know, especially during this uh, 2020 year, it's been um, a very, very busy year. It has uh, on your plate as an agent trying to uh, adapt with the transfer windows, player movement, and seeing your own players adapting throughout the unique year it's been. So I truly appreciate you putting in the time and joining the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Sean. Uh, I actually appreciate the the opportunity to come here. I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, I've saw some of the episodes that you guys run, and I think it's it's a great um, concept, and uh, the topics are interesting. So I'm really looking forward to uh, to uh, discuss more today.
0: Great. Um, one of the things I wanted to just jump into right off the bat, as an agent, and we can just talk about you specifically, uh, mm. for within your own organization as a sports agent in Europe. What are the qualities you look for uh, as a player? What is the age you're looking Mm. at? Is it uh, if they're at a certain age, should they have certain key qualities that they should have established? Does resume play a key factor in it? All of those, if you can kind of touch base, what is it that kind of for you, you're like, you know what? He has all we want. We need Mm. to take care of this guy right now before someone else gets a hold of him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, good, good first question. I mean, I, I think the, the um, most important thing as an agent, which is very similar to, to the job of a, of a football scout or, or a guy uh, or girl in, in a club who is the responsible for the recruitment, is to know uh, what level you're scouting for, or what level you're actually aiming for and who, because that's that's, that's very important. If I'm looking at a football CV, I need to know that where am I coming from? Am I coming from scouting for the Premier League or the first tier of Sweden or the second tier of Iceland or Austria? You see there's difference or, or Iran or Asia. So because each market has different needs and different qualities is, is, is necessary. If you go to uh, Italy and play in the Serie A, it's different for, from playing in the Premier League. Uh, But generally, we we try to focus on the sort of first and second tier in Europe. And to do so, we look at the player's CV. We look at, you know, where has the player been in the past? You know, what are the clubs that he's been playing for? What are the academies that he's been playing for? That gives you an understanding of the football education, because that's important. And the football education, where does he come from or she? and from there you look at obviously the the statistics or has he been playing or has he has is there any gaps in the cv um and then you just dwell into deeper and deeper you look at age you look at the position as difference between a striker and a right back and we can talk about that as well because because the right back position is a difficult one compared to uh left winger a left footed player for example um and then you look at the nationality as well. Where does the player come from? Because there's language and there's culture and things like that. And then obviously the player itself. So How does the player play? There's loads of wingers, strikers, and etc. But what kind of style do they, do they bring? So there's many parameters that, that we look at. Normally, in our agency, we tend to focus at the moment more on players in the first team. So they should have first team experience and you can say the 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 sort of age group that we prefer we want to work with is sort of up to 24 25 because knowing what the clubs are looking for most of the clubs that we deal with they want to have players which they can somehow develop and squeeze out a little bit more and maybe sell to um, to other clubs so we tried to look at the sort of you can almost say 18 to to 25 and then from there, we break it down into, uh, obviously, the background, uh, the experience and the, the, just the profile itself.
0: Let's say you're saying 18 to 25. Let's mm. say um, someone in America wants to go out there, played yeah. u- university, played u- second division, not in the MLS, in the USL. He's 26, yeah. 27. Mm what what is it that he's going to be going up against to kind of or what is it he has to show to kind of get your attention and your agency's attention
1: so what i always put as a rule of thumb is that if there's a player that uh to your point he's 26 so he's above the criterias then they need to have something extra in mm-hmm. their CV or background or, or style of play, for example, they need to have something that gives them the attention that gives the club a reason to say, you know what? Okay. He is 26 and we would prefer we want somebody who's under 24, but this guy or oh God got something. So we're going to go for it. We don't care. He's two years older and that can be anything. It can be that he's a striker scoring loads of goals. He's got a certain physical, or she physical appearance. Sometimes they like players that are tall because of the way they play football. The team itself. Uh, it could be that he, uh, the player comes from a certain football education in the past, and you can tell from the from the career that he's been on, un- he or she has been unlucky, or there's some good references around the player. So. Um, if there is a player, in this case, 26, 27, what we need to be aware about is that this player would go against players that, first of all, are domestic already in Europe, might be younger, might have a different profile, might have a stronger statistic profile. So when you put them forward to a club, they might say, okay, but he's or he or she, the player is 26, and why should we invest time, money, in bringing a player all the way from the US which is gonna be a cost instead of taking a player from their third tier or second tier or whatever in our own country or a country next to us with less cost, with less hassle. So these are the things that it's also important for players to understand. But I don't judge them, I don't I don't say that why don't you <laughs> look at these things because they're so young, they're so busy with you know taking care of their own career. But these are some of the things and challenges that we as, as an agent have. We need to understand the club perspective the player perspective and it's almost like we need to please everybody and sometimes forget about ourselves.
0: No, that's great. I want to transition away from um, the player and more into you and the day, mm. day in, day out of a, of a sports agent. And let's say yeah. specifically a sports agent in Europe, what is a day in day out? Look for your agency. What are, what are the key qualities that you guys got to be hitting? What are the, the, the players you observe how do you manage all of your players and how does that look like
1: yeah i mean um it, it really varies uh because there are certain things that are ongoing so for example in in, in our agency we got two uh top priorities one is to find players that we can sign and represent and the other one is making transfers basically so this is basically how we then schedule our activities around these two things. So in our agency, we, we are today seven people. Uh, well, I'm the director of the agency. And then we got another agent who is based in Finland and covers the Estonian market. And then we got sort of what I call head of recruitment. So we got one in Denmark, uh, one in Austria, one in Iran. Uh, I have my partner who is based in Sweden and our chief scout who's based in the UK. So all of us have basically tasks based on the country that we live in. So we, for example, we create profiles of what kind of players do we want to go and identify that we can represent? or What kind of profile do we think we can make business with, for example? It could be our own players, but it could be other agents' players, or maybe it's us helping the clubs sell players as well. So the activities uh, is based around those things. And depending on uh, what time of the year it is, some activities might have more focus. So for example, now we're going into the transfer window, which starts in, in just a week. So obviously for us now, the focus is more on getting clubs for the players that needs to move this window. So we focus more on positioning them to, to the right clubs, calling the clubs, having conversations with them, speaking to our partners in other countries or other agencies, uh, helping them as well, because we might not always have the players that we like. Um, But when the window is closed, we look more at, okay, as an agency, we have a target of each year how many players we want to sign up on based on how many people we are. Because we don't want to sign loads amount of players, so it's quantity over quality. Um, We can talk more about that as well, but I think it's so important, and this is something I learned during my, uh, my time so far, that representing a player takes time. It takes a lot of time. And sometimes I think agencies forget that, that you're going in to represent the player. This is a human being. You know, they need attention as well. They need to get things explained to them. they got people around them that sometimes need attention. So um, for those reasons, we are very cautious about who we engage with because once we do it, we believe fully and we want to have a long-term basically relationship and collaboration with them. So... Once the window is closed, the focus is more on on basically identifying those kind of players, but eventually also looking at the next window and players that we know need to move. So start to promote the market. We're very active on social media. So we, you know, as as soon as our players do really well, it can be a good performance. It can be a goal. It could be something that makes them stand out. Immediately, we put them out there because we know that people are following us, basically. And it's a great way to position them. Uh, as well. Um, if we speak specifically about my own day-to-day, I mean, I, I wake up, for example, in the morning, I um, start with some training. I usually do them in the mornings because it's easier to, to just get it done. And then usually I start my day at eight o'clock. And I, you can tell, for, for me, there's three priorities uh, throughout that I, that I focus on. One is to make sure that our players are, are fine. Uh, In our agency, the the, the people that I mentioned, they also look after the players. So I have weekly meetings with them uh, and we look at every player, how have uh, they performed? Is everything fine? Do we need to do anything? You know, things change quite quickly sometimes. Um, And then I look at, for example, uh, the players that we have in our own pipelines, so the players that we'd like to identify and work with, how can we get access to them, for example. Uh, We try to have meetings with players which we want to work with. Then it's also a case of clubs constantly having meetings with them at the right time to nurture the relationship, uh, but also make um, connection with new clubs. So new clubs in new markets, clubs in our own market that we might not have had a chance to engage with. You don't want to just be sending emails and asking them, hey, what are you looking for next window? You want to make it a bit more, personal and, and the clubs appreciate that. So identifying clubs, nurturing relationships, and in the end um, is all about as an agency, as I said, you know, we make, we, we make a living by transferring players. So it's all about doing it the, the right way. So planning ahead. Which players do we know needs to move next window? So start already plan for that in the best way to create the most best um, conditions uh, around us. So this is how the the um, uh, day-to-day can look like. Another element that I want to add is that uh, myself, personally, I do a lot of scouting myself. So obviously now with the with the pandemic, it's been video scouting because we have not been allowed to attend teams. So I spend hours during the week to look at players that are being sent to me, either from the boys in the agency or from other partners or players that I am interested in myself, basically. So uh, sometimes... I start at eight and I finish 10, 11 in the evening. Sometimes I finish normal hours and sometimes you, you spend weekends. Uh, so, uh, but you know, when you're passionate about it, you, you don't look at the time.
0: No, I mean, it's so crazy. I mean, recently Jorge Mend- Mendez got named uh, sports yeah. agent of the century uh, it's it's such a crazy way to see how the the game has evolved, but how that business and agency side has evolved. huge, huge, huge huge. The way how uh, agents are in the front now, they're they're taking care of a lot of businesses, and it, it didn't used to be like that, probably from the from the beginning. It used to be the player used to negotiate his own deals. And yeah. as, as time evolved now, owners are having difficulty because now the eight, there is something someone coming in and really taking care of the player, looking at what's in the best interest long-term, not just short-term, but long-term. Um, yeah. So I want to kind of get into that. Yeah, how yeah, how does someone get started how did you get started how does because I know when you, you you've set up something good now you have a base in Sweden in Iran uh, mm-hmm. in the UK so we have you have a good infrastructure set now but it's not said like that at the beginning stages the early stages where it's so difficult from yeah. if you got to get uh, registered you know how where is the test got to come from <laughs> how do you take that and then um, how does the agency get set up from there
1: yeah no absolutely um my own journey started 2012. um i i mean i can share i, I used to play football myself um i started when i was like nine years old so my background is that I'm, I'm from iran i was born in iran in Tehran, but when i was two years old we moved with the family to stockholm sweden so i grew up in, in, in stockholm sweden and, um, I always wanted to become a professional footballer, uh, but I, but I choose to say I was never good enough, even though I had a time where I really actually made a plan because I was playing, I was sort of 18 and I was playing in the non leagues of, of Sweden. And I've made a plan of actually getting myself to the top, but I just never made it. You know, I was, you know, injured or sick or just, you know, good enough. And why I mentioned I'm not good enough because I realize now. Uh, from a mentality point of view, mindset point of view, I wasn't disciplined enough. I didn't have those ingredients, and we'll speak more about that as well because I think that's a very important element when we when we speak about these things. So, um, I therefore went into studying. I always wanted to work in the business, so I studied sports management in in a town two hours away from Sweden called Orebru. and um, I did that for about five years. And during that time my interest to become a sports agent or football agent, as they say, uh, a group. And um, you can say that after my university studies, I tried to get into an agency because that was, for me, the best way to actually learn the game. So uh, getting into an agency, see how it's done. So the things that you mentioned, because for me, I was only reading newspapers and I see Min O'Reilly on this side, Jonathan Bonnet, all of these big guys, they're moving this player to that player. there was so much I didn't know, which I know today. So, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of young people gets in touch with me who wants to join, but I tried to break that down to them because being an agent is a very tough lifestyle, and it is a lifestyle that you need to be aware about. So I wanted to learn that, and I was fortunate in 2012 to get in touch with an agency in Sweden who were quite established, uh, had about 20, 25 players, and they... The, the agent there helped me a lot. I, have, I still know him really well. We're still good friends today. And that was sort of my way into learning the, the business, looking after the player, being a mentor for the players, dealing with parents, dealing with sort of uh, the players' emotions, uh, promote the players, market the players. Uh, the the importance of that, the constant promotion and marketing. Helping them, you know, getting trials to the biggest stage in the Premier League or Championship, for example. Being part of a trial to see what's happening, actually. Uh, Seeing the communication with the club. So all of those elements, you can perhaps say everything apart from the negotiation, which was made, you know, by the agent. But he was kind enough to allow me to see the communication of that as well and sort of break it down to, okay, this is what's happening now. When they say this, this is what they mean. So very fruitful. And, uh, those four years that I did that was my way in. Now, um, how you start, that's one way to start basically, uh, where I advise that if you can try to join an agency or an agent where you can do some of this work, maybe you can upload them. Now that is difficult because, um, I know the agent market is a, it's a still very closed market. You know, they, 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 it's the information that is inside an agency. People are not so keen to share that because what it is, these guys who've been working for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, they build it up themselves. The knowledge is something that they've learned on the streets, if you like. It's this, you don't find a university education around sports agents, for example, or football agents. So you, you, it's almost like you had to pick it up yourself. There's FIFA who put regulations there. Back in the days you made an exam, you got a book of like 500 pages, you study, and then you, you pay the fee and you, you're, a, you're a licensed agent. Nowadays, that's not the way it goes. Nowadays, depending on which country you are, there's a registration process. So in the UK, for example, you have to pay a fee every year and then you can allow yourself to to be called uh, intermediary because that's that's the word instead of agents so football intermediary. If you want to work with youngsters in the UK, you need to do so, sort of like a background check and pass that one, and then you can work with players under 18. But if you, for example, you go to Italy, there's an exam, for example. If you go to France, there's an exam. If you go to other markets, for example, it might not be an exam. It might not be anything, you just have to sort Of declare the transfer with the association once you've done it, for example. So, uh, those technicalities is good for anyone to know like, okay, what's the regulations in my country, depending on whether it's football or whatever sports it is, to learn about them. But then it's all about trying to, um, you know, get experience. And you can do it by joining an agency or networking by going to conferences. Nowadays, loads of workshops and courses, loads of them. Uh, I did, for example, a uh, agent course in a university in in um, in London, which is the, the sort of first accredited one, and they do it now online as well. So that's a great way of, of just getting your foot in, in, in into the door. Um, I think um, it's a great way for them to uh, to uh, try to um, interact, um, try to um, um, Basically, find other people who might be on the same pathway, and that way, it creates ideas. What I what I wanted to emphasize on is that when they're trying to get a foot into the door, what's important, which I see many people do, and I did it myself. Usually, you you know, finish uni, or you want to get into something, you get in touch and you ask, hey, can I join your agency? This is my CV. I worked here, here, and here, and that's great. That's how, how we all do it. But I think there's a shift. That is happening now where it's more about, okay, this is who you are, but what can you offer me? What can, what, what, what use do I have of bringing you in? That might be difficult, but actually it's not that difficult. If you think about, okay, what am I good at? What can I do? What am I interested in? I'm, for example, very interested in football. I love going to games and around me are these teams, for example, and around me are these people that I know. So bring that to the table and say, hey, look, I can do scouting for you or I can you know, put you in touch with these people, for example, because I know them. So you offer them some things and you might not even be looking to get paid because the experience is more worth the, the, than the money. And if you learn how to do things, then you learn how to also make money. So it's more about offering what can you actually uh, offer the agency or the agent that you want to work with in the beginning. That way. Uh at least for me, if someone would come approach me that way, immediately they would get my attention. And, and if I cannot do anything, I'll probably put them in touch with somebody that, that I know can.
0: No, I mean, that's brilliant. I think that's the main thing. It's Some people want to get into something and they're doing it for the wrong reasons. It's like, ooh, the money's there in this corporation. I want to get into this. But they're not really passionate about it. Anything that you want to be successful, you really need to be passionate about it. You need to love it because there are moments in any, any career you're in it gets very difficult. And uh, sports, uh, being a sports agent, uh, it's it's a highly difficult position, nonetheless. What you got to do behind the scenes. What I want to get into now is transitioning to first the player mindset. How elite now that you when you're observing a player, I know outside of their technical ability, one of the key components is you got to know if they can mentally take it at that level. Are they mentally tough enough to sacrifice if it's nutritional, if it's performance, if it's social life, if it's a lifestyle that they want to go into? And then also the mindset of being an elite agent, you know, the time you got to put into that. What is the mindset you got to have to, because I know most the amount of doors you got to knock for players to come and believe in you at the beginning when you're n- uh, not an established agent to trust you in those moments can be very challenging so if we can get into the mindset the mindset of the most elite players that you look for and then also uh of agency that agents that want to come and work for you what the, what's the mindset they got to have
1: yeah no great great questions i think if we if we start with the with the players uh, you know, I was speaking about it earlier about myself, and and I wasn't good enough. And and um, the reason for that is the the, the mindset and mentality is, is so important. And I and if I have to put, point out one thing uh, out of many that that I will talk about is the hunger. You want to see what kind of hunger does the player have? You know, the, the thrive to to the constant thrive to achieve, to to learn, to develop, to win in anything they do. Uh, doesn't matter what, they, what it is, if it's football or if it's becoming a CEO or whatever they, they do, it has to be a hunger for, for something. Um, I think the other part is the, the discipline, you know, doing the basics over and over again. Um, I was taught, for example, in my previous job, if you do the right things, good things will, will follow. And uh, how, you know, cliche that sounds, it, it's true. If you look at the big personalities in football, Uh, Slatan Ibrahimović from from Sweden if you look at uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi Mbappe, all of these guys they are very good at the basics they just keep doing it over and over again because they know how important it is so they got that discipline Um, and then they also have the determination so they they badly they want it so much it's almost like they've got water above their nose all the time when they're playing I think the, the last, but maybe even the most important thing is the, the motivation, the sort of why. And I'll, I'll speak more about that as, as well from an agent point of view. But, you know, there has to be a burning desire, a, a great motive. When you find that, then you, you realize actually how much you grow from a confidence point of view. And it just things becomes easier because when you mentally know what you're doing and what you want, you, you tackle so many things along the way. Um and you know similar things is for, for from an agent point of view. If we if we speak from an agent point of view, it's tough out there. Look, when I got to London in 2014, I realized immediately how tough it is. Like on 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 the in the English market, I was all uh competing with proper companies, companies with employees who are looking after different sort of uh, like a not normal company with, with an HR, for example, they got someone looking after sales, someone looking after marketing. And for example, being in Sweden, you don't have that size in agency. You usually just have a few people, maybe one or two scouts, and that's it. But here you got full-time employees. So you can just imagine the competition that you have in front of you and what they can offer and what you can offer. So you really need to be not just but smart working. If that makes sense, you need to be creative. You need to find different ways of actually going around it. And at the end of the day, look at it long term, because many people rush. I usually tell players that do not rush it, because every decision that you make is going to impact. And for uh, I mean, for me, I can do this for another 20, 25, 30 years. A player, if he's lucky, he do it for 10 to 15 years. Because it could be injuries, it can be whatever can happen that can put them out. So, their decision making needs to be very sharp and clear, but still looking at it long term and not rush. Same thing for me as well as an agent. You, we, we have to look at it long term, it's gonna take time. So, what you invest now is gonna sort of come back three years from, from now. But as an agency, you need to be ruthless in some situations, you need to be open to collaborate. Um, I always say, for example, that uh, a striker needs the midfielders and defenders and goalkeepers. It's the same for us. We also need to have people around us. We can't do anything. We can't do everything by our own. When you work in team, it's, it's even proven out there that you achieve greater success and greater results. So uh, it doesn't harm of actually teaming up, whether you do it on the one agency name or together with, with partners. That helps. But the things that I mentioned for, from a player point of view is exactly the same from, our, from an agent point of view. Uh, you need to be tough, actually, uh, because if you want to go to the top and play for Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, you just look at the players there. Um, the things that happen outside of the pitch, I know stories, I've, I've heard about stories, you know, players can be mean to each other. Players can injure each other just to play the next game. I've, I mean, I've, I've seen it myself. So it's the same thing for, for agents. An agent can be working with a player for 10 years But once that big deal is going to happen, a bigger fish comes in. So you need to be be able to, you need to stay prepared. You need to be able to tackle that emotionally. You need to be very uh, strong because there's many ups and downs for for both players and and agents and and anyone who wants to deal with high elite performance.
0: No, I mean, you know, it's, it's brilliant how we're touching it. And you're kind of explaining it to us from the... From the perspective of an agent and the day in day out we'll uh, uh-huh. see it on tv uh, in today's world you can see a lot of behind the scenes because everything's on media now uh, yeah. what before was it, exactly but everybody's getting access to it but they still don't see the ruthless part of it you know the same way you said how players try to injure each other same way with agents. Agents are trying to steal that player yeah. from the other one, and they don't care what it is. It's just they're trying to sell them whatever they do to kind of have yeah. it as their own. It's a it's a dog-eat-dog yeah. eat, eat, dog dog world, and it's very difficult. So um, thank you for touching on that. What I want to get into, I think it's interesting, is um, what happens in a transfer of a player to a new club? hmm
1: yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's one of the most popular questions that I, that I also get quite a lot. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's many things that, that happens uh, in, a, in a transfer. Um, and I can break it down on a sort of high level because uh, typically as a football fan, before you would, use, you would read the newspapers. I'm a Manchester United fan, so you look at the newspaper, they're linked with uh, like all of the players in the world. And you're thinking, wait a minute, are they going to go for him? You know, they should go for this player, for example. But, uh, what, what, you know, technically happens in a transfer is that normally a club has made their due diligence on a player that they want. They've identified the player early on. It could be a player they followed for years. It could be a player that they've spotted in the last six months or, or, or so. Uh, the better scouting organization they have, then they probably know that player from years before and so what they've done now is that they identify together with the head coach that this player is is good for us we need that player because the qualities of this player is missing in our team and with those qualities we can actually improve so what happens is that they've scouted the player for months and um they try to not just look at the what the player does on the pitch. They look at the elements outside of the pitch, and they try to get references from people around them. How are they as human beings? You know, social media. You you said it yourself. Everything is on media right now. So another element what that they are scouting is their behaviors on social media. What are they actually posting on their stories? Uh, not just Instagram. I mean, there's lots of things. Snapchat, TikTok, whatever. I mean, it's all sorts of crazy shit out there. So the last thing a player or a club wants is a player who is too expressive in these things because one error and then the club is in, in trouble. So they have to even be much more on their toes, for example. So once they all of that is is sort of secured, then they normally make a contact with the club in order to show their interest and say, you know, hey, we're interested in X player. Um, we would like to know if you're open to make business. Uh, they might approach them directly with an offer or they might sort of ask sort of if they're willing to, to, to do business. And that becomes a communication with, between two clubs basically on um, can they agree on something? because once they have agreed then they got permission to actually contact the player and start to sort of negotiate also with the player who usually in most cases have a representative with an agent. And then they sort of go through the agent to start to negotiate on the personal conditions. If there would be a case where the player's contract is due to expire six months or less, then they can actually technically approach the, the player straight away without going to, to the club first and just straight away start to negotiate with the, with the representatives. And so there's a lot of back and forth on that. That becomes a commercial discussion which you can break into you know, lots of pieces. It can include sponsorship. It can include the players' you know, uh, needs, which is not money or accommodation. It could be that the player has families, uh, members that they want to bring, for example. So there's loads of things that goes back and forth. Uh, and then there's a part, which is the administrative part, which is paperwork, which means that there needs to be certain documents that both clubs need from each other. Uh, it also needs to be officially in what is called the, the TMS or transfer matching system to officially sort of declare that that, that the transfer has taken place. Um, so all of this happens, but I think every transfer is unique in its own way. You, you can't point and say this is how a transfer happens. It, it happens in, in different ways. And the time scale is what's interesting here. You can look into the newspapers and see that, your favorite team has bought this striker but you wouldn't know that maybe they've been looking at this striker for a year or for months As, uh, at the same time it could also be that they you know just had to acquire the player uh, in that short space but typically they've known about the player so that's why i said if a club has a good scouting department they know about most players and and not just one window ahead maybe up to three four windows ahead so they plan for example next windows we know we're gonna need this but then the next window after that the window after that i spoke to a club in, in norway with their with their chief scout and he was saying that um um we always have one two three four options for each position so if the coach for example uh wants a certain type of player we have already the option for it so even if we would Sell a player in the window, or another club would buy a player from us. We already have replacement there and then. So it's a good example of a club who is one step ahead with their with their um, um, scouting. So it means that when they sell a player, because that can happen sometimes unexpectedly, they can immediately replace that player with another one. And that can happen in the moment, but that can also happen by you know communication that has been ongoing for for months.
0: No, I mean, it's, it's crazy. The stuff now is going on, um, especially in the transfer windows, the chaos, but the organization that some clubs show and some don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I want to kind of uh, touch base on this. Do you, any interesting stories, any interesting stories of um, you had with when you were signing a player or when a player was going for a trial and uh, something, yeah. something was like laughable. It was a funny story. Anything, anything you have uh, during the time.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I've seen um, anything too uh, crazy so far, which is perhaps a good thing because I've I've heard many, you know, uh, you know, things can get really nasty in the in the world of agency. I mean, I've 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 heard about. Um, uh, uh, so there was there's one of the guys who is working with us now, uh, who looks after the, the Finnish and Estonian market, and uh, before he was working with us, he was working with another agent, but I know him since a couple of years back, and uh, um, there was a player that uh, had come, I can't remember exactly from which country, but it was from one of the African countries that they brought him, I think it was, uh, and um, the player just started to sort of cry during one of the trial sessions. Uh, he just he just break down and, and he told me the coaches were just like in shock. They were like, what, what's, what's happening with this player? We we've never seen something uh, like this. And it was just the player was so uncomfortable with the with this sort of environment uh, that he um, was just not the, the, the right fit, for example. So uh, they just had to obviously, you know, uh, finish the trial before it even started, and the, and the player had to go back. But uh, I've also heard about uh, you know stories from other colleagues of mine where players comes there, and more or less they just dumped. And I think everyone knows about this that uh, those kind of stories where players get the chance to come to a club, but actually uh, when it doesn't work out, the agent who took them there. They just leave them there for for, for nothing without even looking at getting them back. So the players just circling around in a country for itself without any sort of support or or help. So it it can be really nasty. From from our point of view, we've we've not had any um, uh, sort of uh, uh, crazy things that happen in that sense. But we have one player in um, Ukraine, for example, uh, in the highest league who is an Iranian striker. Uh, Shahab ID, And um, he signed for this club uh, in 2019. And he was signed by a coach who had previously played in uh, in Real Madrid, in AC Milan. He had a quite good career. He played in, in Greece as well. Uh, he wanted him, took him on board. Uh, sadly, he was asked to leave after the four games. And the club was not convinced about Shahab. So they, they actually... Try to get rid of him, and I can understand the club from that point of view because they felt like, okay, if we the new coach doesn't like him, and he's on a certain level of money, he's a small club, then we want to try to see if we can find a solution to get rid of the player. But obviously, we we just said that uh, you know we 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 were convinced that he is a good player from our point of view, and the player itself, the player Shahab hadn't played for about six seven months, so he obviously needed some time to get back. So we just told them, look, just train with them. Don't even think about anything else. Just train, do your thing. The winter window will come up in a couple of months. So we'll, we'll start to speak to some clubs. And we actually had a club in, in Denmark uh, at the time who were ready to take him on, on, a, on a trial. Um, what happens is that the temporary coach, who was a Ukrainian guy who came on, Uh, He was just a temporary, so they got a coach, uh, a a Spanish coach who was an assistant coach in Dinamo Kiev. He came, and um, the funny thing was that Shahab was starting to train really well, and they didn't have any strikers. So he was just forced to play him, and that was his chance. And after that, really, is like a Cinderella story. He just played better and better and better, and by the end of that last season, he became... One of the key players up front. Um, now, the coach left during the summer. Um, and he was actually, no, it wasn't during the summer. It was during like sort of uh, spring last year. And the guy, the coach, the temporary coach that I thought about, the training guy who's, who's been a figure in the club, he took over. But this time, he was giving Shahab the chance. And what is funny is now, during these six months, the first six months of this season, has absolutely exploded so he's gone from you know being uh, not wanted by the club to now being the player who was voted amongst top 3 of the best players in the Ukrainian league and in 11 games 8 goals to assists and now obviously loads of interest around him so we'll see what happens this transfer window but it's a great opportunity even for the club to sell him a player that was unwanted just a year ago for example so it's funny how things can shift sometimes for example so um, again this is a different type of story but it it, it is really a crazy world uh, and and going back to what I said before the, the emotional levels that you go through I mean I, I think uh, it, this is, it's just sometimes impossible to to, to deal with it because uh, one day you can get a great news and then the other hour you get something that just ruins your whole day so by end of the week you have no clue what you what what has happened you're just standing there like okay
0: That's crazy. I mean, thank you for so much for sharing it too. Uh, Mosa, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you so much for putting in the time. What I want to kind of flip the things for you to close us out is um, any projects you have going on, any any players that Mm -hmm. in this transfer window that uh, you're working on and getting any any collaboration work that you would you're open to sharing uh by all means i want uh, you to have the platform to close us out and then we go from there
1: yeah no absolutely i mean there's there's always projects in the pipeline and um, i can share it in in sort of different categories one category is that as an agency so so my vision with the with the agencies watchdash consulting is to be the most preferred agency. Now, what I mean by that is not necessarily being the best or the most beautiful agency, but be the one that is easy to deal with. It's straightforward. It's no nonsense. You know what you get. And that's not just towards clubs or players. That's also towards people who wants to join us. So one vision um, in line with that that I've developed is that I usually in the beginning when I was thinking about all of this, I wanted to create an agency which, will, which was maybe more about like a small boutique agency where I have my portfolio players in one market and that's about it. But we've sort of scaled that together with my partner based in, in Sweden. Uh, he, he goes under the name The Soccer Mentor, great guy. Um, we together in 2018 set out a new plan where we saw there's loads of people out there who wants to join this industry. But they don't necessarily get the chance or the guidance, for example. And we saw that, uh, okay, let's give them a chance because not everyone wants to become an agent. Some wants to just do the scouting or just looking after the player or the marketing and so on. So we've gone to now trying to actually create an agency that can be local to clubs, players, people in each country. So now, for example, we're looking at at some of the Balkan countries where I'm in touch with some people that, yeah, that could be an opening spot to take them on, and they would sort of be um, working together with us, with, with our agency name there. So there's lots of these things in the, in the pipeline, uh, what well, I'm always on the lookout uh, because this also gives a chance to explore the um, different markets, for example. It can be something that's of interest for the U.S. market because U.S. market is, is quite well known. Uh, From a player point of view, yeah, we're expecting some transfers uh, to take place this this winter window, mainly because um, uh, players are running out of contract um, and also because players have been performing really well. So we we know that there's interest in them. So we'll see what what happens in this winter window. We're expecting a a few deals to to take place. We've done one so far in, in, in Finland. Um, and then generally, always on the outlook of exploring uh, uh, new markets. As I mentioned, the, the Balkan is, is one market that we're looking at For example, at the moment. Uh, I had a conversation today about the, 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 the Greece market, for example, the Greek market. Um, so uh, it's, it's kind of ongoing. Um, I'm also always happy to advise and guide anyone who wants to get into this business, uh, whether you're a player or, or agent or coach. Um, because I know that to, to, to the discussion we had earlier, it's so commercialized right now that any anybody has an interest. Uh, we always joke about it that there's so many agents out there that probably your neighbor is, is an agent too.
0: Now, I mean, you hit it. You, you just said it right there. Um, thank you so <laughs> much again, uh, Mohsen.
1: Thank you so much, Sean.